Welcome to our Bible study session. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for joining us today. I hope and pray that as you participate in our Bible study session, God will bless you and speak to you through his word and that your knowledge of who he is and what his word is all about will grow and increase. It's important to know who our God is because the more we know him, the more we can walk with him faithfully and in confidence knowing that our God is who he is. You know there was someone who asked me a question sometime a couple of years ago that about Christianity. You know they they've been attending church they were attending church for quite some time now and they they were becoming passionate for the Lord they were you know becoming passionate for evangelism and uh, I was asked this question. They said, you know I hope I believe I hope that everything that I'm believing about Christianity about Jesus is true. I hope this is not like a big <laughs> myth or something or something that's just a fabricated story. You know, the more we read about the Bible, the more we study about God, all those questions begin to fade away. The more we study about who Jesus is and what the gospels say about him and what the what the New Testament say about him, we begin to understand so much about God that no matter what kind of doubt comes to us, no matter who uh, shares what, no matter what people will say, nothing can shake our faith in the Lord. And so that is why Bible studies are so important and I I I'm glad that you've taken your time to be with us today. We're going to spend some time in the word of God and today I'm going to talk to you about the raising of Lazarus from death. God raised Lazarus from the death. That's a, a miracle that we all know about, we have heard about, there's stories about it, there's songs about it. But we're going to look at that passage and study from a historical perspective and learn some details that we may not be very familiar with. And uh, more importantly, I'll be answering the question, why did Jesus raise Lazarus from the death? There were many who died at that time, but Jesus raised up Lazarus. He raised up few others also, but uh, Lazarus was one of them. So we're going to talk about why Lazarus and what was the purpose behind that. What was he trying to accomplish? So though some of the purposes, the, some of the reasons may be quite obvious, uh, it'll help. It'll be helpful for us to dig deeper into that and understand why. So. Lazarus the name Lazarus means God is my help and uh, the name is same as the other name Eliezer the name Eliezer means God is my help and Lazarus also means God is my help the we are introduced to this character Lazarus in the gospel of John we are not introduced to this character in Matthew in Mark or in Luke but only in John's gospel the other gospels mention Mary and Martha the sister of Lazarus however they do not mention Lazarus name but there's another Lazarus that you know that was a a a, a poor man who was begging uh, there is another character called Lazarus that is mentioned in the other gospels however this man Lazarus Lazarus of Bethany is not mentioned in any other gospels except in John's gospel so he's the only one who records the incident where Jesus raises Lazarus to life now if you look at the book of john the book of john is a very special book from all the gospels you know we have four gospels out of all the four gospels the gospel of john always stands out 
if you go to if you get a chance to go to seminary one of the subjects that you learn is the subject called as a synoptic gospel so not synoptic gospel basically uh, will deal with the similarities between the first three gospel so the whole idea is that matthew mark and luke are connected to each other each other used sources from uh, in between them and they put the gospel together but when you look at the gospel of john it is very different in its approach its content is about jesus but it presents a lot about the teachings of jesus and also john does not mention all the miracles of jesus but only mentions those that are important and necessary for his audience to know so we must be aware of this that john is writing to a greek audience he's writing to a gentile audience not to the jewish audience if you look at mark for example mark is also writing to uh, a believing group and these were more of a gentile group so mark is writing to the church at that time and they were already believing in Jesus but he's writing like a biography of Jesus as a servant of the Lord and as a savior of the world who came into this world and did all these miracles he's he's writing his gospel just to strengthen the church if you look at Luke for example Luke is putting together an orderly account Luke by profession was a doctor and so he writes in a, from a very orderly a meticulous point of view where he arranges everything in sequence and talks about also the compassion that Jesus had towards the gentiles towards the samaritans towards women children tax collectors sinners and even others who are regarded as outcasts in Israel if you look at Matthew for example Matthew is presenting Jesus as the one who is who came from the line of David that is why if you open the gospel of Matthew one of the first few chapters you will find the genealogy of Jesus so if you if you go to Matthew chapter 1 you'll immediately be presented with the genealogy let me show that to you on screen you'll immediately be presented with the genealogy of Jesus that is mainly to present Jesus as the one who is from the line of David and if you look at Matthew he is writing to the Jewish crowd Mark is writing to a believing crowd also a, a a gentile crowd a greek crowd Luke is also writing to a greek crowd John is also writing to a greek crowd so each gospel has a purpose has a reason why they write it so some though some might say that it's all the same you know all the gospels are the same it's just redundant you know it's just repetitive one after the other but if you actually read through the gospels carefully you will find that each gospel writer is presenting a very specific a very special perspective of jesus and so in that regard if you look at the gospel of john john is also presenting a very specific view about jesus and this is very important for us to know now if you were to ask what is the purpose of the book of john what is the purpose of the gospel of john it is we find that in gospel in john chapter 20 verse 30 and 31 let me turn your attention to that john 20 was 30 to 31 it says like this jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book was 31 but these are written listen to that carefully was 31 but these are written that you may believe that jesus is the messiah the son of god and that by believing you may have life in his name so what what is the what is the goal of john's gospel 
it is written so that we may believe jesus is the messiah he is the son of god and that by believing in him you may have life in his name so this is the purpose of john's gospel so so, so here's what happens if you look at the gospel of john his purpose was to present that jesus is the messiah okay his purpose was to do that so if you look at the structure of john's gospel chapter 1 is an introduction to Jesus. So if you go to John chapter 1, we see John talking about the word, the word that was with God and the word that was God and was to he says he was with God in the beginning. And if you jump to verse 14, John says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So John is presenting Jesus as the one who was the creator who was the word that brought everything into existence and now that word has become flesh and is dwelling among us so so if you look at the introduction to jesus that john gives it's very special compared to what luke is writing what mark is writing what matthew is writing if you look at matthew he is presenting jesus as the line of david from the line of david if you look at mark jesus he mark he presents jesus as an action figure so he's talking about the ministry of jesus more but if you look at luke luke is also presenting jesus as the as a savior as the lord the one who had compassion on everybody but when you come to john he presents jesus as the god who was in the beginning who was the word who was the one who created everything and then finally he is the one who came down to dwell among us so the introduction to jesus that we find in john is very beautiful i don't know if you have ever studied john chapter 1 in your personal time i don't know if you've ever done a bible study on that probably you know probably just just an idea we'll we'll do this sometime we'll go through john chapter 1 and study about it it's a spectacular chapter it's just amazing i think for christmas i spoke on john chapter 1 uh, was 1 and was 14 and the beginning was the word i sp- i spoke about that um so if you want to listen something about john chapter 1 you can listen to the christmas message that i shared in the church that was on uh, 24th of december so you'll find that video on youtube so it's a very special chapter a very beautiful introduction to jesus so chapter 1 of john's gospel is an introduction but starting from chapter 2 listen to me carefully starting from john chapter 2 to john chapter 11 is an here's what john does okay let me put it this way john chapter 2 to john chapter 11 john is presenting seven signs to prove that jesus is the messiah okay from john chapter 2 to john chapter 11 he is presenting seven signs to prove that jesus is the messiah now you may be wondering what is that sign i'm going to share with you right now seven signs to prove that jesus is the messiah seven signs in john john's gospel so starting from chapter 2 he presents seven signs that jesus is the messiah here's what he's he's the first one the first one we see in chapter 2 is jesus turns water into wine that is the first sign to prove that he is the messiah the second one is that he heals an official's son we find that in john chapter 4 was 43 to 54 the next one is this the next sign the third sign is that jesus heals a man at the pool of bethesda that is in john chapter 5 was 1 to 15 and if you read 
if you go to look at the fourth sign that is jesus feeds the 5000 we see that in john chapter 6 was 1 to 15 and then the fifth sign is this jesus walks on water jesus walks on water that is in john chapter 6 verse 16 to 21 and then in verse 6 sorry in, in the, the sixth sign not verse 6 the sixth sign is jesus heals a man who's born blind we find that in john chapter 9 was 1 to 41 and then finally the seventh sign that proved that he is the messiah is the miracle where jesus raised lazarus from death so that is in john chapter 11 was 1 to 44 so when we're talking about jesus raising lazarus from death what that is is that it is the seventh sign that john presents to his audience to prove that Jesus is the messiah okay so as we go through this passage i want you to understand the writer's perspective now if you want to understand the bible in its fullest um in its uh, in just the way it was written if you want to understand the bible uh in a very profound in a very deeper way then you always have to begin with this question what is the author intending to say what is the author's thought what what is he thinking as he writes this so as a reader you have to get into the writer's perspective to understand what he's actually writing but many often make this mistake to read a gospel where they read a gospel but they apply their own perspective now if you do that you will never ever understand so when we go to seminary one of the things that we are taught is an introduction to every book so we are taught what is the goal of the book of genesis what is the purpose what are the themes what is the author intending to say so we we go through all the 66 books in the bible in our first year so that when we go deeper into the study of god's word into you know each section of the bible we have an idea as to what is the author trying to say so if you want to understand the bible properly you always have to ask the question what is the author's intention what is his purpose what is he trying to say to his audience through this letter or through this book so we look from john's perspective his goal is to present jesus as the son of god and that by believing him we have life in his name that is his focus and so with that in mind we see that the miracle where jesus raises lazarus from death is the seventh sign that john is presenting to his audience to prove that he is the messiah that jesus is the messiah so with this in mind we're going to go into the study uh, with this as a perspective we're going to learn more about the story now there are some historical information that we do not find much in the bible there are also historical information about mary martha and lazarus that we find elsewhere uh, some are reliable some are not reliable we are not sure what to take so most scholars disregard the kind of historical information that is available about mary martha and lazarus um because some seem too true to believe too good to believe uh, all of that so the bible presents with some little information that is mary martha and lazarus were siblings they were brothers and sisters and they were living in the village of bethany now bethany is about 2 miles from jerusalem about 
I think two miles means maybe one and a half, two and a half kilometer. I'm, I'm not sure. You can do the conversion about two miles from Jerusalem. And these three were very dear friends of Jesus. So, uh, like I said before, Bible does not give much historical information. So we do not have a lot of history behind about them. But we can be sure that they are actual characters because uh, Luke talks about Mary and Martha. Although he does not mention Lazarus, Luke also talks. So we can say that yes, these were real people that existed. that truly existed. So what happens is when we go to John chapter 11 verse 4, 11 verse 4, we see that Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick. Let's turn our attention to that. John chapter 11 verse 4 it says like this when he heard this Jesus said sorry let me go to verse um let's start from verse 1. I hope you're following along. I hope you're with me. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the one, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Lord, the one you love is sick. So Jesus now says, when he heard this, Jesus said, "This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it." Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. seems very rude <laughs> but there is a purpose there is a purpose verse 7 and then he said to his disciples let us go back to judea verse 8 rabbi rabbi they said a short while ago jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back now here's the reality of the situation now we are aware that yes lazarus is sick the message comes to jesus that lazarus whom you love is sick okay but jesus loved them dearly he chooses to stay two more days where he was and then finally he decides to go uh, and was eight the disciples tell him a short while ago the jews there tried to stone you and et you are going back now here is an interesting thing now there is a need for ministry in bethany you know close to jerusalem and this was closer to the same place where they try to stone jesus i uh, think of this there is a danger that is facing jesus jesus is facing a real danger where he could be stoned he could be physically be abused or persecuted something could happen to him but if you read the entire passage one of the things you'll see is that jesus knew the father's timing he didn't worry about what opposition came his way but when he knew what the father's timing was he went ahead and did that because jesus understood that this is going to result in something good it's going to result in the glory of god so though there was a danger of people stoning him he never really focused on uh, excuse me he never really focused on who was going to affect him but he was more focused on fulfilling the mission of god now as we look at this this reminds us something about god's timing god's will and his purpose for our life you know as god's children we need to live in tune with god's timing with his will and purpose for our life because there will be certain times when god wants us to go ahead and do something and there also will be certain times when god say god will say stop don't do this 
we see in the story in the, in the in capernaum where mary comes to jesus the mother of jesus comes to her son jesus and says uh, jesus here's the situation do something but what was what was his response in john chapter 2 verse 4 we see jesus gives a very different response in john chapter 2 verse 4 jesus says woman why do you involve me jesus replied my hour has not yet come you see how jesus ministry was it was all about the timing of the father what does the father want to do? what is what does father want me to do today what is his purpose and he understood in the case of lazarus that he had to wait for two more days because it's going to end up in the glo- in glorifying god and also at the same time time comes he has to go and the disciples are telling him you know they're going to stone you but jesus says no we've got to do the work that god wants us to do and this this reminds us of something important sometimes when god wants you to go you will face all kinds of opposition but go because god wants you to do it but sometimes when god does not want you to go you will have a wonderful opportunity waiting for you no opposition no restrictions no any sort of uh attack on you it will feel like this perfect the right thing to do when god wants you to do something you may have a lot of problems but when god does not want you to go sometimes in life you will have no problems it will seem like a wonderful opportunity but wherever you are you have to know the lord's timing you have to wait on the lord wait in prayer jesus knew that there is something special extraordinary that's going to happen but yes there is persecution but did he kind of hide and run away no he still goes ahead to do the work So now what we see here is that Jesus now is moving towards Lazarus's house and and here's an interesting statement that Thomas says uh, let's go to verse 16 John chapter 11 verse 16 uh, if you read verse 11 um and he said this and he went on to tell them our friend lazarus has fallen asleep but i'm going there to wake him his disciples replied lord if he sleeps he will get better it's like the disciples are giving excuse lord why if he's sleeping he's going to get better thinking that you know lazarus is actually sleeping but jesus was speaking about his death but the disciples thought he meant natural sleep so finally you know the disciples reluctantly follow him because they know that along with jesus they are also going to get pelted with stones they know, they know it's going to happen uh, but they're following him anyway so here's an interesting statement then in verse 16 then thomas also known as didymus said to the rest of the disciples let us also go that we may die with him let us also go that we may die with him it's an interesting statement i'm going to talk a little bit about that a, a little later so here's what happens jesus comes to bethany and when he comes to bethany jesus knows what is wrong and 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 he also being god in the flesh had the power to deal with this crisis had the power to deal with this issue uh, and and also at the same time he made it clear the sickness is f- going to end up for god's glory if you read was was for the sickness will not end in death no it is for god's glory so that god's son may be glorified through it now we're going to talk about this statement what is what does it mean what does it mean when jesus says so that god's son may be glorified through it what what is jesus talking about here 
Now, when Jesus is talking about glory, about glorification, there is two things here. There is two things. It it means two things. The first is this: the miracle that's going to happen in Bethany through the life of Lazarus is going to enable people to see the glory of God in action. It is going to enable people's people to see what God can really do. And the second thing is this, and this is very important. When Jesus talks about glory, it is not something where it is going to make him famous. When Jesus often talks about glorification or glory, it's not something that's going to make him world famous or like a superstar or a or a superhero. The glorification that Jesus often talks about is the one that will lead him to the cross. I want you to I want you to come along with me carefully. Glory here is not about being famous, but it it is in connection with the cross. Now, if you go with me to John chapter 7 verse 39, uh Jesus talking to his disciples, uh the explanation is given here saying, by this he meant the spirit whom whom those had those who believed in him were later to receive up to that up to that time the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified so here's the thing it says Jesus had had not yet been glorified so it basically says here that the spirit that had to come on the believers did not come yet because Jesus had not yet been glorified what does this glorified mean it is talking about the cross but if you go to john chapter 12 where it is after the miracle was performed after lazarus was raised from the dead and something happens here in john chapter 22 verse 23 jesus in verse 23 jesus says like this the hour the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified what does this mean it simply means the time has come where jesus the son of man the son of god is going to be crucified on the cross for the sins of the world so earlier jesus said not yet you know uh, the spirit had not yet come because is not yet glorified but now the time has come where the son of man is going to be glorified and if you read this full passage here in chapter 12 it's very interesting because uh this is after the the triumphal entry into jerusalem in in verse 20 what happens is there were some greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival they came to philip who was from bethsaida in galilee with a request sir they said we would like to see jesus philip went to tell andrew and andrew and philip in turn told jesus so greeks came up uh, to worship in the festival and they tell philip uh, we want to see jesus and philip goes and tells to andrew and andrew tells uh, andrew and philip in turn they tell jesus now what does jesus say in response to that the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified so what what's happening here is that the message is now spread the greeks have come to know him the jews have come to know him people all over the land have come to understand that he is a messiah and now is the time for the son of man to be glorified So just before this he's he's talking about glorification in chapter 11 also in chapter 11 also so if you if you go to verse 4 Jesus says like this that this is going to lead this is so that God's son may be glorified so doesn't mean that it's going Jesus is going to become world famous or a superhero it simply means that after this 
he, it is going to lead him to the cross, lead him to the cross. There's something interesting here. You know, Jesus saw cross, Jesus saw his suffering on the cross as a way to receive glory. Jesus saw his sufferings on the cross as a way to receive glory. Now, this is so interesting, you know. When we face persecutions in life, we are like, the worst has come upon me. But you see the life of Jesus, he embraced the sufferings as his glory. And that teaches us something today, you know, in, in the time that's going to come in our world today. Maybe we will face persecution. Maybe we will face some sort of a resistance. You know, we will face some sort of, some things that will happen against us. But we should never see that persecution as one of the darkest moments of our life. But rather we should see that persecution as a moment of glory. Where we are experiencing this affliction. You know, I, I love what Paul says. I love what the early apostles, it's Peter who says like this, you know, that 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 he was happy, that he was counted worthy of the sufferings. You know, they were persecuted for the faith and they were rejoicing because why? They were counted worthy to suffer like Jesus. So Jesus saw the cross as glory. He saw persecutions as his glory. And in the same way, we should also approach challenges, persecutions that may come our way as our glory. I hope that's clear. Let's continue. And I, I want to go back a little bit. I want to go to John chapter 11 verse 6. We, we went beyond that, but I just want to go back a little bit and talk about something interesting here. In John chapter 11 verse 6 to 10, I want to um, go to verse 7. Let's start from verse 7. Uh, Jesus let me put that verse for you on screen. I hope you're following along. I hope you're taking down notes as well. I hope you're uh, engaging with us. Verse 7. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you and yet you are going back. Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. Now it's interesting, you know, Jesus often gives an answer that sometimes it feels like there's no connection to the question. <laughs> but, but, but Jesus answers more than the words, he answers what that person is thinking. So Jesus is saying, let us go back to Judea. But the disciples are saying, they, they just try to stone you. But Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the day daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world. It is when a person who walks at night, they stumble, for they have no light. So there's something that Jesus is talking about here. It may seem like there's no connection, but he's making a point here. So there are two meanings to this. There are two meanings to what Jesus is saying in verse 9 and 10. The first one is the meaning that we can see on the surface level. So the Jewish day, it was similar to the Roman day. It was divided into 12 equal hours. 12 hours from sunrise to sunset. So uh, 12 hours, the sun, you know, once in the sun rises and then it goes down and then from darkness to night. So sunrise, sunset and then suns uh, to dawn to, to, from evening to morning again. So 
there were also times during the year similar to us where the hours will be longer where the days will be longer nights will be shorter and nights will be shorter the days will be longer now on the surface jesus is talking about the sun that is shining in the day where you can walk around do your work in the daytime and nothing is going to happen nobody is going to be hurt you can go wherever you want to go and back in the day there were no street lights so when it became dark everybody stopped working today we have cities in our world where in the night also they are very busy back in the day it was not like that so anyone who was working in the daytime can accomplish the task anyone who is in the night time they will be stumbling they'll fall uh, it's difficult for them to do the work so the first meaning that we get here is that jesus is saying here that the day's work must be finished within the day you have a work for the day you've got to finish within the day for the night will come when you have to rest when your work is completed you know when we look at our own lives if there is one wish that all of us have that might be that we will complete the work for that day that same day so we wake up in the morning we plan something we are like i want to do this 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 by the end of the day and most of the time let us be honest we fail most of the time we kind of you know carry on work for the next day you see the unrest and hurry of life are often because we simply postpone work the work that we are supposed to do the previous day we do it today and the work that we are supposed to do today we do tomorrow and often times we are living life where we are trying to catch up work where we are trying to do the work that we are supposed to do that we were supposed to do yesterday today and we are trying to you know somehow pack in all the work so that um somehow we can complete the work we are given precious amount of time in the day and the point that jesus is making here is that no matter how much we spend how we spend our time we have to make sure that the task for that day is complete by the end of that day task for that day is totally complete by the end of the day because we should never live in a way where where we are in debt to time where we have to postpone task but rather finish the work that is for that day so so the point jesus is making here is that going to bethany healing lazarus is the task for the day let us do it so even though the disciples don't want to do it he's saying whatever is the task for the day you've got to do it so here we see another principle of productivity um many times we we go to office come back home and continue the office work why because we didn't use our morning time in a productive manner or we overloaded ourselves with too much of work that we were not able to complete the task and we come home we are still burdened with work trying to complete trying to catch up our life has to be different where we know what we have to do for the day and continue doing that and complete it by the end of the day that is the first meaning we see here the second meaning we see here is this you see the word daytime and nighttime um if you see in verse 9 it talks about daytime uh it talks about daylight and also it talks about night So if you look at the gospel of John John often uses the word darkness and light he uses words like um there are a couple of words he uses I'm not able to get it in my mind right now but he uses words like darkness and light 
night and morning night and day these words very often in his gospel and this is something called as dualism he contrasts between the light and the day and he presents jesus as the light and darkness comparing to the enemy to satan himself if you if you see john chapter 1 verse 5 he talks about jesus this way he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it so jesus uses so john uses words to refer like like light to refer to jesus and darkness to refer to a light dominated by evil and if you read john chapter 13 verse 30 he says like this as soon as judas had taken the bread talking about judas iscariot who was going out to betray jesus as soon as judas had taken the bread he went out and he makes a statement and it was night we may read that and we may wonder okay maybe he's going out in the night time but there is a deeper meaning to this that is he is going out to do this and it was night time which means he is going from the light into the darkness he is going from god into satan's hands that is the point here so uh, we see this contrast between light and darkness throughout the gospel of john now if you look at all of this all of what i'm been sharing about uh, the time that we have and everything if you look at the gospels the gospel is based on the love of god it is based on the love that god came to show for mankind so john 316 is always spoken as one of the central parts of the gospel that he sent his son who because he loved us and it came down so that we may have life all of this is wonderful but here's another thing whether we like it or not we must we must also understand the gospel is presented to us but there is only a limited time that we have in our hands many times we keep putting off our life you know we think maybe one day i'll get i'll get myself in a better way you know one day i will change my habits so let me tell you this when you read the gospels you understand two things you understand the love of god and you also get to know the threat of his judgment we accept him we will escape the coming wrath but if we keep on postponing the work that we are supposed to do today we keep on postponing eventually there will come a time when everything will be over the opportunity to hear god and to be saved will be taken away let me put it this way let me put it this way though this is not the main subject of the study here but i wanted you all to know this we will experience the glory of god if we are on time or we will experience tragedy if we are too late i want to say that one more time we will experience the glory of god in our life if we are on time if we can accept the gospel accept that we are a sinner jesus died for us we will experience the glory of god if we are on time but if we reject it we will experience tragedy i want you to keep this in mind because sometimes we take the grace of god too lightly that <laughs> we think one day let that one day come then i will change myself no, it's never going to come we've got to make sure that we live as children of the light where we are we have accepted jesus as the lord and savior of our life so let's go on to uh, john chapter 11 verse 17 So on his arrival Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for 4 days 
Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. Now, in order to understand this, we must visualize how Jewish customs of burial were, what their mourning was like. So, uh, if uh, you know, we've often, we've of course, we've been to houses where funeral and everything takes place. You know person passing away you've seen a bit of that uh, it is quite similar in the jewish custom in the jewish but one thing they would do is the 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 burial will happen immediately the burial will happen as quick, quick as possible so let's say a person dies the burial will be immediately uh, be done so uh, and also there was a time where funeral was a very costly thing because the spices the ointments that were used to anoint the body and even the body of the person was wrapped in the most magnificent clothes. All kinds of valuables and all kinds of uh, things were, uh, you know, give, give buried along with the person. So funeral was a very exp expensive affair. So uh, what happened is later there was a man called, a uh, famous rabbi called Gamaliel II, who came uh, along and said, listen, when I pass away, I don't want a special extra extravagant burial. I want a very simple one. Just put a simple linen on me and and that's it. Send me off. That's, that's more than enough. So from that point onwards, they started putting a very simple linen and burying people instead of putting all the extra you know, valuable things for a person because it became too expensive to bury a person. So anytime a person dies, they would be immediately buried. And anytime a person dies, as many people as possible would attend. Everyone who was supposed to, uh, who can come, would come and they would come out of respect and courtesy. And the teaching at that time is that you, a person can escape from hellfire if they can attend a funeral. So, so many would come and attend. So you can imagine the scene. Jesus is coming to Bethany. Lazarus is buried in the tomb. And there's a large crowd. Okay, That's the setting of the whole story. There's a large crowd waiting for Jesus. Sorry, large crowd there for, to mourn for Lazarus. And this also becomes like a very good ground for Jesus to display the glory of God, that God can raise a person back to life, that God is the, that he is the resurrection and the life. So there were a lot of mourners, there were people who were uh, in the house and um, in the house, people who were mourning, they had certain kind of customs. Uh, the first set of, they would mourn, they would cry, they would weep for three days and they, they would continue on for the next four to five days and for the next 30 days they would continue on weeping mourning for the dead so those 30 days are called as a lighter mourning so they will keep on living in that sadness now these, these customs are very similar to what we have today uh, any house that has a death or some person pass passed away at least the first 40 days is like a little uh, quiet sad uh, moment in the house so very similar to that, but here what's happening is, so lots of people have come to mourn the death of Lazarus and this becomes a very good opportunity for Jesus to do something. And if you if we go to verse 35, you know the shortest verse in the Bible is this, 11.35, 11.35, Jesus wept. I remember, you know, being in Sunday school as a kid, um, if anyone would ask to recite a memory verse, because reciting memory verse is one of the 
things that any child in a Sunday school should do. Uh, I would often quote John 11.35, Jesus wept. And it's so easy to memorize because it is just two words. Uh, sometimes we may wonder why is John including that here? Why? Uh, of course, there is mourning and happen, mourning and everything happening. Uh, but John explicitly states that Jesus wept. Jesus cried. Now, earlier I, I gave you an introduction to the Gospel of John, and what I said is that it is written to the Greek crowd, the Greek audience, and John mentions this word that Jesus wept. Jesus wept. There's a reason why John does that. The Greeks always thought that God cannot feel any emotion, any emotion. They felt that God is too powerful to have any emotion whatsoever. Uh, the reason why they came to such a conclusion is that they said, see, if we feel any grief, any sorrow or any joy or gladness, it means that someone has an effect on us. Okay, If someone passes away that has an effect on us because of which we weep because of which we mourn or if someone cracks a joke that has an effect on that on us and we laugh we enjoy in the, the jokes that they are cracking and the good jokes that they're saying so anything like joy gladness grief and sorrow uh, we experience that because it has an effect on us and because it has an effect on us, that also means that it has a power over us. But the Greeks believed that nothing can have power over God, which means that God cannot experience joy, gladness, or any kind of emotions. Em emotion. The Greeks believed in an isolated, passionless, and compassionless God. So what did the Greeks believe? Isolated, passionless and a compassionless God. But the way John presents Jesus gives them a very different picture that the God whom we worship, Jesus, is the God who has the heart of compassion. He anguishes for the lost souls. He cries. He weeps when there is something lost. So he's a God of emotions also. He has emotions that he experiences. So that is why John writes that Jesus wept, just so that his audience can know the God whom he worship is not the same as the Greek gods, but he, is, he feels compassion towards the ones he created. He has anguish for his people. He feels sympathy for his people. So that is why John presents Jesus that way. That is why we see the word Jesus wept. So, Sometimes when we, when we read Jesus wept, we may think, why? What is the point? But it means something. It, it does really mean something to the audience that John is writing. So like I, like I shared before, again, I want you to remember this, that every time we find something in the gospel, it has a significance. But many times we kind of you know downplay that and just read the surface material and go on to live. But as we go through and understand what is the author intending to say, then every word in the gospel will make a lot of sense to us. So now, verse 38, Jesus once more moved, deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, 
by this time there is a bad odor for he has been dead there four days now this four days is a very important uh, number to note you have to keep this in mind because this means something then uh, then jesus said did i not tell you that if you believe you will see the glory of god verse 41 so they took away the stone then jesus looked up and said father i thank you that you have heard me i knew that you always hear me but i said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me verse 43 when he had said this jesus called in a loud voice lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face jesus said to them take off the grave clothes and let him go so we see a demonstration of the power of god where jesus prays and he commands lazarus come out the dead man came out his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face now to answer the question why did jesus raise lazarus from the dead why why did he do that one of the key things that we need to understand is that martha says it's been 4 days that he has been there for 4 days the rabbis back in the day taught that resurrection from the dead was possible only within the first 3 days so the rabbi said if a dead man were to come alive it can happen within the first 3 days because their belief was that the spirit of a person would hover over the body for the first 3 days so after a person dies their spirit will keep hovering over their body for the first 3 days so during that time if someone empowered by god can do a miracle resurrection is possible so according to them resurrection is possible within the first 3 days and also they believed and also they went on to say like this but only the messiah can perform a resurrection on or after the fourth day so what was their teaching the first 3 days resurrection is possible so anyone empowered by god can do a perform a miracle and the spirit will come back to the body because the spirit is still hovering over the body then they went on to say that after that only the messiah can bring a person to life after that only a messiah can bring a person to life so jesus goes on the fourth day and performs this miracle and what is jesus trying to say here i'm sure you can make you know you can come to the conclusion what is jesus trying to demonstrate here that he is the messiah he is the messiah so the reason why jesus raised lazarus back to life is because to prove that he is the son of god how did that happen to the people at that time they believed that only the messiah can raise a man who has died uh, after four days after four days only a messiah can raise a man to life so if you if you see what happens here after all this was 45 therefore many of the jews who had come to visit mary and had seen what jesus did believed in him so after this sign uh, after the seventh sign that proves jesus is the messiah many people came to him and the history goes on to say about lazarus that many would see lazarus and believe in jesus because they see a man man was dead in the tomb but now alive doing his normal job they would see lazarus and believe so uh, historians say that the sanhedrin the chief priests the pharisees 
not only wanted to kill Jesus but also wanted to kill Lazarus. Now you may wonder why do they want to kill? It's a it's a good thing that's happening, right? You know the Messiah is being revealed. It's a good thing that's happening. But you have to think of this. They are these these leaders were not thinking of a spiritual benefit but the the they were politically motivated see if jesus becomes the messiah if jesus is the king if jesus is the lord and what would happen is that the romans will take away the religious freedoms that they have given to the jews and jews do not want to lose that and just because they do not want to lose they realized it's better to sacrifice one person than to lose our freedom and that is why they decide to put jesus to death <coughs> excuse me so after this if you see after this if you see so after this if you if you read the bible you'll see uh, a short while after this the the passion week begins they plot to kill jesus and everything happens and then immediately he is being put to death so uh, this you know like how, what jesus says in verse 4 this will lead to his glory um let me show that verse again verse 4 so that god's son may be glorified through it so what happens is after this miracle they decided to destroy jesus to kill jesus to nail him to the cross so this truly led led uh, led to his his glory so to answer the question why did jesus raise him from the dead it is to prove that he is the messiah now many take the story many take the story of lazarus and use that as an example that yes we can also raise the dead back to life now it is possible resurrection from the dead is possible if god enables it can happen i'm not denying that but there are some who use a passage like saying you know if god can raise a lazarus back to life then we can also do so i think about uh, 2020 or 21 uh, in in the bethel church they they had this big thing where a, a girl a young girl passed away and they everyone worshiped around the body praying that she will come back to life but uh, she never came back to life they couple of days later they had to bury her and uh, many take their theology uh, from the death of lazarus from the raising of lazarus to life um and say that yeah we if jesus can do this we can do this we should never come to that understanding you know jesus says that that if you believe in me you can do even more than this jesus says that but what does that mean what is the context there it is talking about the spreading of the gospel you see no one can ever go beyond what jesus did okay no one can ever go beyond what jesus did but when jesus says that he will do greater things than me it is talking in reference to the gospel because jesus his ministry was limited to israel at that time but for those who believed in him and you know put their faith in him they were sent out throughout the world so you see the 12 disciples to begin with they went out all over the world spread the message much more than what jesus did Jesus ministry was contained in Israel but the disciples those who believed in him went all over the world and that is what Jesus is talking about but many times people take that verse to think that yes if Jesus did this then I can also raise a person to life it is possible i'm not saying it is not possible but at the same time we must understand there are certain stories that are written in the gospels to just to remind us that he is god 
just to remind us that he is messiah so i i hear preachers say that we can do anything that jesus did that's absolutely false please never ever say that statement because by saying that statement you are raising yourself on this level to jesus you can never be god some will say we are created in the image of god but but do you know what image of god means does it mean that you are little gods it never the bible never intends to teach us that god is god you know and we are mortal human beings but many times you know people come to this conclusion saying oh if jesus did this that i can also do this but is that what the bible is actually teaching us you see the result of the miracles that jesus did is that people believed in him what happened the result of his miracles more people were saved i want you to understand something here that there is a point that is communicated here and that is what we have to grasp we cannot take the bible and think oh i want this i want that and we can we make our own text out of it no we have to always see what is the writer trying to say and we have to follow according to that because by following that way we will understand the text in a much better way i hope you're understanding this i've, I've spoken about this several times but i thought i'll you know add to this one talking about the resurrection of lazarus it it inspires us it reminds us that all things are possible with god but at the same time it is also a reminder to us that we are not jesus we are his child we are his sons and daughters but at the same time we are not god we are not a deity so anytime anyone tells you that oh you are gods please tell them thank you and you can leave now the bible says to run away from false teachings and to shun such teachers and we have to do the same as well so uh with this i'm going to close uh to answer your question why did jesus raise lazarus lazarus from the dead it is to prove that he is a messiah why because people at that time believed that resurrection after the death after death is possible only within the first 3 days uh but beyond 3 days only the messiah can do so jesus comes on the fourth day performs the miracle to prove to everyone that he is the messiah so that is why jesus raised lazarus back to life on the fourth day i hope this was helpful thank you for joining us today um thank you for participating in our bible study uh if you have any questions you can let me know uh, i've received a couple of questions uh what i'm going to do is that i'm going to collect few more questions and i'm going to put all of them together and answer in one session so i'm i'm planning to have a session where we just deal with questions Uh, so i'm going to qu- collect questions over time maybe 10 to 15 questions and then i'm going to answer just a interaction that we can have with each other so thank you for joining us uh let us look unto the lord in prayer father we want to thank you that you helped us to study your word thank you for reminding us of how awesome you are that your words your deeds your life reflect and tell us that you are god in the flesh you are the god who came for us you are the god who died for us and these stories remind us of the fact that we need to be careful of our time these stories remind us of the fact that we are running out of time and just as you were going about doing the father's will help us also to do your will master these stories also remind us that all things are possible with you help us a lot to live life 
believing in you for greater things help us also to never be never fall into false doctrines and teachings that tell us that we are gods help us to remember that we are mortal human beings but for us weak fragile broken people you've come down to give your life and help us to live life dependent on you not in arrogant pride help us oh lord we pray we thank you in jesus name we pray amen and amen